Hello, Pennsylvania. Hello. It's great to be back in the state that gave us the Liberty Bell, Pennsylvania Steel, Hershey chocolate. I like Hershey chocolate. The Nittany Lions, you know, the Nittany Lions. They're doing pretty well, too. And the incredible American Patriots, just like you, you are Patriots. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Joyce Davis, Penn Live's opinion editor, coming to you again with another Battleground PA podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We've got an exciting episode today to offer you a variety of perspectives on the big news of the day, Congress's announcement of articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump and the president's visit to Hershey last night for a gigantic campaign rally. Stay tuned for some exciting conversation. This is Battleground PA, a PenLive podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Well, we've got big news to discuss today. Let's just sit back and get ready to delve into, I think, what most people would feel are some very difficult issues. We're going to talk about the impeachment articles that were drafted by the Congress against President Donald Trump, and we're going to talk about his trip last night, his rally last night in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And to discuss these important issues, we have, as usual, Republican political analyst Jeffrey Lord and our Democratic analyst, Rajette Harris, here to kind of offer us their thoughts and their perspectives. But we've invited also another guest. We've invited Marta Peck, who's with Indivisible York. Now, Marta and Indivisible York were, that was one of the groups that were protesting Trump's visit to the mid-state region. So we, we thought it'd be good to bring in that perspective. So can I just say welcome, everyone? Thank welcome, you. everyone. It's good to have you all here. Now, later, we're also going to have two uh, reporters, Penn Live reporters, come in to offer, at, at least three, to come in to offer their perspectives. But we'll get to that later right now. Let's focus on the guests we have in the studio. And I want to start with Jeffrey, of course. I Uh-oh. always always <laughs> seem to start with Jeffrey. But no, just to give us your perspective, clearly President Trump wanted to come here, knows this is a battleground state. We discussed that. Did he get what he hoped for? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, the place was packed. I mean, I've been around this stuff literally since I was a child. And of course, I worked for President Reagan. I've never seen anything like this. This is a phenomenon, a sort of standalone phenomenon. And, you know, one of the lines that I personally found interesting that he said, you know, he always discusses the media that's back there. And he said something, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something, he gestured toward them, and he said something like, I don't care about them. I care about these rallies. And from a political standpoint, they are very potent. And one of the things that I'm not sure people grasp is that this is not just a room full of thousands of people. This is a room full of people whose data from these, I'm uh, pointing to a cell phone, have all been scooped up by the campaign before they get in there. And that, of course, sets them up for constant contact, registration for voting, 
contributions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's more than just what you're right, right. eyeballing there. So I think it's very potent, and I think you're going to see him do it a lot in Pennsylvania. It, it, it is very potent. I mean, it's sending a message, but don't be fooled. He needs the media because he doesn't just want oh, sure. the thousands there. He wants the millions that sure. have contact through that media. So. But anyway, that that so you think it it was a success at least by um, the from standards the, from, for what he was hoping exactly. for and the and the organizers uh, absolutely. But clearly, uh, I mean, there's another side to this. We had the Democrats there and we had protesters there. So let's turn to Rajette and let me just say, if you'd like to comment or join us, you can send us a message at Battleground PA on Twitter or Facebook, but. Please make sure you're also a subscriber, and we need you to rate us. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find us, and please do subscribe and rate us. So let's turn now to Rajette. Rajette, how do the Democrats feel about what happened? I heard that this riled up a lot of Democrats. Is that so? It did. Uh, Jeffrey and I had a little joke earlier. He said uh, after the rally it was pouring and I said, well, Mother Nature was so sad that she just started crying <laughs> or, after or the weeping rally. tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> so there were tears. We agree on that. <laughs> joy or <laughs> All right. Um, but the fact that the vice president, uh, Pence, also joined the president shows just how important not only this state is, but this region is. Yeah. It definitely is a battleground to kind of play off the name of the podcast. But, you know, the president not only rallies up his base, but also the Democrat Party as well. I see. And, of course, uh, let's bring Marta into this. Marta, why did you guys feel you needed to get out and actually have a showing of uh, anti-President Trump? <laughs> well, uh, I call it a target-rich environment. I mean, quite frankly, you've got... Donald Trump comes to town, how could we not be out there and express our feelings? Although we knew that our target audience was not to the Trump supporters because there's nothing that we can say that they're going to listen to. And the other interesting thing that we saw, which we had feared was going to happen, is there were a lot of sexually crude comments targeted at us, a lot of obscenities, a lot of baiting, a lot of harassment which we hadn't experienced before. Had you heard that, Jeffrey? That, that, uh, I hadn't. The, yeah. in, in fact, the only obscenity I'd seen was the one protester who was dragged out of there, and she uh, gave a particular digit to the entire audience. Oh, my goodness. We'll come back to that because apparently that was, uh, that was actually carried on TV and it was a disruption. But, but what did people feel? I mean, was it mostly women who were there? Did they feel um, no. harassed? Or? No, there were men and there were women, okay. and the, and the InfoWars people came. It was the first oh, I did see. hear them they when came, I walked out. And one of the gentlemen had a large black pickup truck with a bank of lights on the, the roof, and he taunted and harassed and ridiculed and belittled people, hoping that we'd rise to the bait, which didn't happen. And as the evening uh, continued and more of our folks came, there was a really solid phalanx. We were 20 feet back from the fencing. We weren't going to get sucked into that. So you show. were you were intent on making sure this was a peaceful protest. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. And about how many people would you say were there? I say there were two hundred. Okay. We had hoped for more, but the weather. Those of us that were organizing got there at three o'clock, and we ended up with the wind and the rain blowing sideways. Mm. And all credit also to the Trump people because you they were so determined to be there that they were out like at 5 in the morning and they were out in the parking lot through the day through the rain. We right. got at 3 and we were in the rain. So it's, it's the commitment on both sides right. to stand for our points of view. I would just add, 
protest is good. It's healthy mm-hmm. for any As long any, as it's peaceful, for right? An, mm-hmm. For exactly. any society. I mean, in my now past youth, I was a protester on occasion. Get out of here. Come hey, on. hey, you know, I had the afro out to here and, uh, you know, okay. the, the, the Vietnam War and mm-hmm. Kent State and things of I that nature. I can't quite see you with an afro, but go ahead. <laughs> my hair was much curlier in my youth. Okay. The silver bleaches it out, right? But So the Trump folks do not uh, have any problems with there being protests, people expressing themselves. I, I mean, I, I would actually think that say that the Trump movement in itself is in its own way a protest mm. against the establishment and the old order and all that kind of thing. So uh, I just, you know, we've seen societies all around the world where there's, you know, no dissent and it's never healthy. Right. Well, clearly the Trump supporters, his base, turned out. I mean, it's clear they turned out, and it's clear he still has. If you can assume that all of the people who were there will vote for him and actually support or they're not, I mean, one of the questions we have are people coming for the spectacle, because it is quite a spectacle. Oh, I don't think so, in talking to them. So you talk to them, and what what are their expectations? I mean, we had, uh, Charlie Thompson did a nice story in which he laid out what he thought, at least in his reporting, people were looking for. They want him to push back against the impeachment. They want him to focus on the health of the economy. I mean, what did you hear people really want from this president? Well, first of all, they do like the economy. I mean, that's always, uh, in my experience, no matter who is president or who's running, that's always the number one issue for people for the obvious reason that they've got you know, jobs and mortgages and kids and, you know, putting food on the table, that sort of thing. So I do think that's the number one issue. But that said, I do think that there's a significant and growing backlash to this impeachment thing, which is energizing people that might have been Trump supporters, but now they're seriously passionate about this. They are determined. And yet some of the polls indicate that independents really have gone, have swung the other way. They're supporting it. Rougette, I mean, how, how are you feeling about what's going on? We can move into the impeachment discussions now, too, because that is the huge historic news of our day. Right. And the polls are showing one thing, but we can't forget all of the special elections in addition to the elections last year. Democrats picked up a lot of seats in the state legislature, not counting the re-election of the governor and Senator Casey by huge margins. Um, so I'm a firm believer that the only poll that matters is one at the ballot box, mm. and that poll the Democrats are winning. And I hope that continues into next year. Marta, are most of your folks Democrats or are they are, you know independents or whatever? Well, honestly, we don't ask people what their affiliation is. I would say that by and large, people tend to be liberal, so I can make an assumption that, in fact, they're probably Democrats, but we don't look them up and we don't ask, and I know that there are independents and there are some Republicans. Right, right. But, well, I mean, you heard Jeffrey. I mean, he right. know, they know what their base wants. They're mm-hmm. focused on the economy. It is a good economy. Let's admit, it is mm-hmm. a good economy. There may be signs of, on the horizon, but it is a good And I'm not saying that Trump gets all the credit for it. But it is factually a good economy right now. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rochette, what's the answer? Um, I just wanted to bring up, too, that a lot of people who like Trump, and I've spoken to a few as well, um, they might like his policies, mm-hmm. but they don't like his Twitter account. They right. don't like his behavior. <laughs> right, right, right. They don't well, like the way, I, I mean, yes, um, calling so. the FBI scum at yeah. the rally last well, night. The they don't like his rhetoric. Yeah. Right. Um, so are those people going to continue, want to continue that? type of behavior for another four years. Well, that's what I was going to ask Marta. I mean, Marta, we hear the base likes the economy. The base wants, they like him. I mean, for whatever reason, they don't mind that style. 
What what is it that the protesters disagree with? Basically, all of his policies, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) We started out, okay. Shocking. But when Indivisibles first started up right after the election, uh, the beginning of of 2017, the issue was health care because we were looking Mm -hmm. at tens of millions of people being cut off of health care. And, in fact, if the, the Trump administration gets their way, the Supreme Court will declare the entire the entire law unconstitutional, in which case 27 million people are going to lose health care again. So we can start from there, and that's what happens environmentally, the, the weakening of environmental laws to protect us, you know, the ability now to put mine waste into streams. And, and I know that that was marketed originally in terms of Reducing government um, regulation of businesses, which I think all of us can support that, but when we're losing protections in our environment that will result in, in health and safety issues, then it's an entirely different so, ballgame. So game. you really have issues about the health care. You have issues about his in attitude our, toward the cl- for climate and toward climate, the environment. Climate, yes. Um, on issues on undocumented people coming into the country and how they're handing. Yeah. And one of the things I want to make really clear is no one that I know of is for open borders. What we're for is is adherence to the law so that people who want to apply for asylum, they apply for asylum and their their claims are speedily addressed. So mm-hmm. and if they're not in, if they're not entitled to asylum asylum, they go home. Someone that comes illegally into the country, they get deported. Mm-hmm. So we're it's a are very those frustrating. The top, are those the top? Mm, what about the economy? What about its handling of the economy? Do you agree or disagree with that? I quite frankly don't feel that he deserves a lot of the credit for the economy. He certainly hasn't done anything to hurt it. But all of that has been going well, on. Well, are you sure he hasn't done anything to hurt it with the well, tariffs? Well, no, the I think he has, the, ta- <laughs> the tariffs, I think, have been incredibly damaging. When mm-hmm. I look at the, the figures in the Midwest, the number of bankruptcies with farms and the suicide rates are going up, there's no question that there's an impact there. Now, he may have offset, like in soybeans, that their government's doing payments, but then that's more money that we're paying because we've got this screwed up tariff policy. And now we're looking at China. We might not even work out a deal with them until after the election. That's, there's a lot of jeopardy in there. But around here, I have to say, quite honestly, you drive around, you see lots of help-wanted signs, and we're slowly seeing incomes going up. But on the other hand, I don't feel that it's a, that he gets that much credit for it, and I think that there's a lot of very troubling signs that we're seeing that this cannot be sustained. But, Jeffrey, your folks, actually, I will say this. I saw he made a statement about how everybody's now wealthy or something. Everybody's got, and I did saw, saw, saw one lady behind him, her eyes kind of went like that. I mean, there are people who are still, sorry. we have to admit, United Way came out with uh, this Alice project to kind of remind us that even in the midst of uh, some people doing well, there are a whole lot of people who are barely well, not as many it. as during the Obama years. Let's be candid about that. I mean, things are better. And this is always the driver in a presidential election. I mean, that is the ultimate verdict. Unless there's world war, I mean, like a World War II situation, it is always the economy. And so you think that's going to be, as long as it stays strong, that might be a, the driving a, force exactly, for everything. Exactly. Okay, let me uh, let me go forward here. And let's, Can I just say something yeah, real ahead. quick? Mm-hmm. But it's not just about having a job. It's the quality of that job. And I keep bringing that up. You have people working two, three, four jobs just to try to keep um, making the rent, try to uh, take care of their children. Again, you have students leaving school with huge student debt that can't afford to live on their own. They're still living at home, not because they want to, mm-hmm. but because they don't have a job 
that they can use their degree for. <laughs> and there was a story, well, I forget whether it was New York Times or whatever, that said all these houses that the baby boomer has, who's going to have the money to buy them? <laughs> right. So, right. you know, it, right. it depends. Now, you know, with the new trade agreement that was agreed on by Congress and the president, that might help a certain sector. And it helps, you know, the unions will be stronger because of that. But there's a large segment of the population that is not doing better. Mm. There's a large sector of the population that is actually going backwards. I see. And we well, can't ignore them as well. And I'm also seeing that where we're seeing a lot of job growth is in, in general health care and service industries. And a lot of those jobs are not necessarily high-paying jobs. Exactly. You know, we need, and we need to be looking to the jobs of the future, the ones that will be adapting to the new technologies. And I don't see that. The dreaded gonna... words, learn to code. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, let's let's shift just a little bit because I do want us to talk a little about the impeachment, and I really want to focus now on you, Rajette. Are you satisfied? I mean, are most Democrats satisfied that only two articles came down? I know there was a lot of debate about whether it should be broader or or narrow, and they, in the end, ended up with only two. They ended up with abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Is that what Democrats were hoping for? Some wanted more. Some wanted there to be articles on the Mueller report. But, you know, Democrats didn't want to make the mistake that Republicans made in the 1990s with President Bill Clinton where they overreached. So they settled on two articles that everyone could agree on and that there is overwhelming evidence for that they can impeach the president. So in that sense, then I'm personally fine with that. Marta, what is uh, the protesters? How do they feel about that? Actually, we haven't talked about the specifics of the of the impeachment. What we've looked at is impeach and remove. There's absolutely consensus, 100 percent agreement that that's the the route to go. So you're all and Pence supporters, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say we're necessarily Pence supporters, but the law is that if he's removed for off from office, then Pence becomes president. I think the main point is though that you know. The President Trump has continued to push the envelope, and it's time that someone finally says no to him. And we all know he's waiting to go to the Senate, and the Senate is Republican-controlled, and there's a good chance that he will be acquitted, and then he'll go around and brag, oh, I didn't do anything wrong, I didn't do anything wrong. But the facts are out there. Even his attorney general states that Russia interfered with the 2016 elections. You know, I, we I, have proof. That um, that the president tried to get Ukraine to interfere with another election. If he's so great and the economy is so great, then why is he trying to fix an election for himself next year? So, Jeffrey, let me ask you, there is no I mean, there are some reports that maybe one or two Republicans may have some issues with this. But by and large, not just the hard diehard Trump reporters, but Republicans in general see no problem whatsoever in what in the information that's come out. Uh, that's, that's right. It's overwhelming. And I, and I just, I find this particularly curious, this notion that he asked a foreign country to interfere in the election. Let us recall that famous conversation that was caught on a hot mic between President Obama and Russian Prime Minister Medvedev, in which he says, tell Vladimir that once I get past the election, I'll have more flexibility. He was talking about on missile defense, et cetera. And I just need a little space. Right, right. What he's asking for is for the Russian government to interfere in the American election by deliberately altering their policy so that he could win election and then be more flexible 
on something uh, the Russians well, I think no, another no, deflection. I fundamentally another disagree deflection. with that. And that's a deflection. Yes. I mean, that's asking that's him to wait. I'm not debating that. But that's fundamentally different than, in essence, bribing and extorting a country saying that the weapons and other, service, other uh, materials that you need to protect yourself from the Russians killing more of your people, we're going to hold that up until you do me a personal favor. That's fundamentally different than it's, what was It's done. called a quid pro quo. And let's no. also note that if this military aid was so incredibly important, why did Barack Obama give none of it? Let's Barack talk Obama about gave a lot of aid. No and military I, and, aid. Yes, he gave military aid. Is, I've heard this like, oh, he only gave blankets. No, And I remember hearing the listing of what it is. And there was a lot of, of military aid, hands-on stuff, equipment, not, but not the javelin, you know, there not you those. Go. But see, this but is not my those, concern. But saying it wasn't that is not too the much same. It's nothing about, about President Obama. This is about what President Trump did. President Obama is no longer president. Let's not even well, join into the discussion. No, she raises a good point. If I were a mother, I'd say, I want to know what you did, not what this one did. Well, <laughs> so yeah, this is yeah, a deflection. I, as a Republican, I lived through eight years of President Obama saying, you know, it was President Bush who did A, B, and C. They couldn't live without George W. Bush for the eight years of the Obama this presidency. Is the, and that's part this, of the same game. That's like, what aboutism? What aboutism? We're in, in 2019. We're going into 2020. I'm talking about what's going on today. All right. and, and this is what the Republicans are going to do, and I hope the Democrats do not allow them to do it. They're going to take facts that are real facts that no one can dispute, and they're going to change the narrative that fits them and their base. Well, and we that, cannot join in that discussion. We have them. a warning that watch out for what the Republicans are going to do, and we have the Republicans saying we are coming on with a popular president who has been to the mid-state. And we is, shall has, overcome. And we shall overcome. With that, I'm going to have to stop it. But it has been delightful to have you. And Marta, thank you so much. Maybe we'll invite you, you back money. again as well. So thank you, Rajette. Thank you, uh, Jeffrey. And in when we come back, we will have three Penn Live reporters who will, will join the conversation and give us their perspectives, not only of uh, Trump's rally, but perhaps they heard a little bit about uh, how people are feeling about what's happened with the impeachment. So stay tuned. Well, we're back. Uh, we had quite an exciting first part of our episode looking at President Trump's visit to the Mid-State, to Hershey, as well as uh, reactions from our pundits on the articles of impeachment. But now we're calling in three Pen Live star reporters who were actually at the event last night. We have with us David Winner. Evie De Jesus and Steve Maroney. They all were stationed in different parts, some watching the protesters, some inside seeing what the rally was about. But we want to talk to them to get their impressions. We heard in the first part, Trump's folks believe they got everything they wanted out of it. There clearly was a show of support. Our protesters with Indivisible York felt that they needed to be there to let the world know that it wasn't all for, but there were some people concerned and, of course, we heard from Rajette Harris, the Democratic uh, pundit, about her concerns. So now I want to just really go to our reporters and ask them, what did they see? What were their impressions? It clearly was peaceful. Evie, why don't we start with you? What was your overall impression of the rally? I think my biggest takeaway was that it felt like 2016. The mm. energy, just kind of the fire 
if it was possible to have even more excitement than what we saw in 2016, it was there last night. So he's definitely got his base riled up and pulled out. Oh, yes. Now, now uh, David, were you, uh, were you in the room or were you outside? Were you inside the rally? Yes, I was inside. Do you concur <laughs> that it was, there was a lot of energy there? People were riled up. Oh, definitely. And uh, I have to say, I wasn't surprised at all because um, I had gone to the rally up in um, Lycoming County this spring. And, uh, you know, you couldn't help. But you notice like the unbelievable turnout. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked like the biggest, grandest fair ever mm-hmm. had come to town. I mean, I have to admit I was surprised because, you know, you hear about enthusiasm gaps following campaigns. And, you know, when, when, I, when I saw that crowd, I, I realized like there is no enthusiasm gap whatsoever. And so, so they obviously feel that the president has done all he set out to do and more. Steve, do you think the energy, I mean, you were outside. There were people, supporters as well as protesters outside. Is that energy at all connected to those impeachment articles of impeachment that came down that day? Or was anybody talking about that? It may have been. The only time that I heard the particles of impeachment come up were they had a uh, giant screen outside of the giant center. And uh, I would say, well, more than a thousand people who couldn't get inside, those who didn't go away. They braved the rain and and stayed for much of the speech. And they that's dedication, right? <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> yeah. Because it was cold too, right? It was cold at times, right. especially when the uh, wind picked up and the rain picked up. And yeah. though a lot of them did leave, some were very disappointed. Uh, many did stay and they watched the uh, speech from outside and were at least kind of close by, so they they could be part of the energy and excitement. And mm-hmm. some of that did spill over outside, especially at the beginning of the speech. And when uh, the president did mention the um, articles of impeachment. It got much of the same reaction from what I could hear on the audio inside that it did outside. With you mean the, that people were really booing it? Or they were. What? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. But one of the things that really struck me, because I'm sorry, I was, I'm a worry ward. I was one of the ones worried would the atmosphere lead to any kind of scuffles. And it didn't. It was all peaceful, which is wonderful. And yet you guys were inside. There was a protester uh, who had to be removed from the stadium, right? There were about two. About two. What, two, what was that two about? Two or three. Yeah. What yeah. happened with that? Well, actually, because the media is corralled behind the stands where the cameras are located, we really, we can't see anything in front. We can't, we, so we never had off sight of the president up on the podium. So we, you could hear the commotion from the crowd getting riled up when the protesters were being escorted out and as the security were leading them up, then we could see, but we couldn't see what was going on at the front of the house. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, too, because it is a concern going forward, the president clearly does not like some of the media and frequently takes the opportunity to call you out. Did you at all feel um, any issues last night? On the outside, not at all. Um, everybody I spoke to, they were very respectful, very uh, eager to talk to me. Good Pennsylvanians, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right, good. How about you, David and Evie? Yeah, I found the same because, I mean, for one thing, I mean, you're used to it. Like if you've been to these, you know, before you um, – um, you know that. I mean, he's going to make references to the media. Because in some national circles, people have felt that they that targeted them for some sort of, you know, even attacks from people, his his ardent supporters. If You, you didn't feel that at all in at the stadium last night. No, I didn't feel any of that no, at all. I, I didn't either. And, and if anything, everyone that I spoke to, they were so 
forthcoming and mm -hmm. engaged and just really willing to share their, you know, their thoughts. So the atmosphere overall seemed to be one of fervor, of real support for the president, but not hostility. No, I don't think so. Other than the chanting and the booing, but that's, that's kind of part of that the scene at the Trump rallies. Let me also ask you this. Um, there was concern whether there might be extremists there. Now, we have heard that there were protesters, but they were quite peaceful. Uh, we heard from Marta Peck a little bit earlier with Indivisible York. Did you see anything that would have caused you concern amongst the protesters? Um, out, outside of uh, Giant Stadium, I, I, I didn't see a whole lot. I did see one. I, I, I don't know quite how to classify the group. They had some signs that were indicative of being an extremist kind of um, uh, Christian organization. And uh, extremist Christian organization. <laughs> Who was that? Well, um, they were uh, speaking through uh, megaphones and okay. talking about how uh, the Bible says that uh, women are inferior to men. And um, I, I didn't quite catch everything that they said, but it. And they were anti-Trump or for Trump? <laughs> it seemed they were anti-Trump okay. uh, to me, but it, right. it, it was really hard to gather what they were saying because it was broken up pretty quickly. It started a uh, little bit of an argument. I. I'd say a little more than an argument, a yelling match maybe with mm -hmm. uh, a few of the uh, Trump supporters who were leaving the giant center and couldn't get in. And right. they were pretty I, – I, I don't think it was pretty close to getting physical, but they were getting pretty close to each other that uh, they did have to call in the mounted police and the horses came up. Mounted police. Oh, wow. There were, there were okay. uh, police officers on Clydesdales, they oh, looked like, wow. and they came in. And as soon as the uh, giant horses showed up, it broke up pretty quickly. But that was the closest that I saw to anything getting Well, that sounds like good hand. law enforcement though, that they were able to contain anything before it got out of hand, right? They had a whole herd of horses there and, right. and, and mounted police, so they uh, were able to contain that. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, I, no, but it does sound like they were real, well prepared to make sure nothing uh, got out of hand, which is good. But let me let me ask you about something that caught my attention through it, and I don't know if it caught yours. The president um, clearly has an issue with what he said was the district attorney of Pennsylvania, but I think he meant the attorney general. Did you hear that? He Several times he lashed out at the district attorney. I, I think he was, he didn't name him, but I'm pretty sure he was talking about the Philadelphia district attorney. The Philadelphia district. Because, yeah, he was mm -hmm. talking about the sanctuary, this, you know, um, sanctuary city. Yeah. And I actually he thought, said they needed a new district attorney. He was uh -huh. um, referring to the Philadelphia district oh, okay. attorney. I actually thought he might have been talking about the attorney general who has done a lot of lawsuits against the administration. But I wasn't quite clear because the name was never named, and I, it, w it just was confusing. There are two questions I want to ask you to conclude. When you were listening, what did you sense were those hot-button issues that really kept that crowd there? And then I'm going to ask you, what do you see this all means as we go into 2020? Because he's going to come back, but next time he comes back, we may have a Democratic candidate or at least know a little bit more who's going to be the Democrat. What do you see that this rally signals going forward? Why don't we start with Steve? Yeah, sure. Um, I had a moment to speak to former Governor Ed Rendell, who was coming out of uh, his interview with MSNBC. And what he said um, regarding the articles of impeachment that were introduced, he, his question is, will this turn off some of the voters who voted for him in 2016, everything that led up to that? Or is this something that will harden the uh, Trump support? And will that make his supporters that much more enthusiastic in support of him and maybe even bring out some more voters who may, may have uh, not gone to the polls in 2016? So it can go either way. That may continue to be. He didn't have an answer. He just raised the question. Right? Correct. <laughs> OK. All right. All right. And, and uh, Dave. Well, I'm really on the lookout for really 
like reasonable arguments that he can make for re-election that will that are likely to like hit with a broad swath of, of people. And I think, I mean, you know, we saw like he feels he has has almost endless examples about the economy, you know, about about energy. You know, the it, when low, you say energy, about fracking and and support of the yeah i mean he you know fossil fuels yeah he may i mean yeah he makes you know he makes the case that you know he's rejuvenated um energy production Mm -hmm. um you know in in the united states and like that's great for our economy and uh, i mean it clearly resonates with a lot of people but i mean you know the stock market 401ks um i mean again the um you know not only the low employment rate but he really stresses like um um you know the 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 impact um on minorities, you know, the low um, unemployment rates. And um, so, the, I, you know, I just feel that, um, you know, if the economy, it's obvious, I mean, if the, if the economy, you know, continues pretty much as it, as it has, he has a lot to go on that will, that will resonate with a lot of people. That's what struck me. Got it. Evie, what do you see as the hot button issues and where does this go in 2020? I think that what I took away from last night was that his very core base hasn't budged. It's just an immovable block of voters who will support him and embrace him and his rhetoric, regardless of the actual. Even if the economy were to turn sour, would they still be with him? I mean, all the things we're talking about, let's say all of that changes. Would that base still be there and why? Well, if you compare the the hardcore base, like let's say the 25% of Americans who are just just immovable in their support of Trump. It's really the, the people on the center, the, the independents, um, the, the more moderate Republicans who voted for him. It's what they're going to do next year that I think will really sort of determine the outcome of the general election. The, the 24, the 25 percent, the hardcore people, they're, they're going to vote for Trump, I think, regardless of the hardcore. And we're talking specifically about Pennsylvanians. The Pennsylvanians who are solid Trump supporters, I'm going to ask each of you that and then we'll conclude. From what you're seeing, what is their core issue for supporting Trump? Whether, the, whether if the economy were to go south, if anything were to go south, I mean, we raised this issue before, if you were to shoot someone. <laughs> I mean, what would keep them attached to this president? The thing I heard several times last night when talking to people was he speaks to us. We heard that in 2016. We're hearing it again now. He speaks to us. So it's a style thing. He just resonates. He touches those hot button but issues, mm-hmm. those values that are important to them. And I'd have to say the same thing. I The common theme that I heard through the uh, sports I, I talked to outside, they said that he he's the outsider who came in and, um, and he's somebody who now has a uh, – Record of uh, service, they say, that he came in and, um, and, and did the job. Dave, we'll let you uh, end on it. <laughs> yes, similar to that. I mean, the thing that struck me is, I mean, people believe that he is someone who is finally fighting for them. Like all those people out there of both parties that have, you know, they've got behind candidates and um, you know, everything just seems the same. And for so many middle class working Americans, like there has been an erosion that goes back so many years and, you know, and, and that has resulted in this like lack of faith, this resentment of people in Washington. And I mean, we know there's lots of people in Pennsylvania that supported President Obama who, who are now supporting um, President Trump. And, and, you know, and there's a big difference there. But the, but the thing is that 
they believe that he is finally fighting for them and they also believe that he's uniquely qualified to do it and they you know they're willing to accept all those sharp edges and even embrace those things because they think it's justified and necessary and and somebody needs to do it and he is the rare person that came along. And they're willing to, to overlook all of the other issues, all of the other issues out of the, because of that core. Yeah, overlook it. And I mean, I mean, they are because the point is, I mean, I, f- I think, you know, they feel like it's the it's the only hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, with that, I think we've had a full discussion on the rally. And uh, I want to thank Evie DeJesus, Steve Maroney and Dave Winner for being here with us. And I would invite you to join us again on another podcast, Battleground PA. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you again on Battleground PA. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion and editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michelle McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. For more info and past episodes, visit us at battlegroundpa.org.